Hey, hey, empaths. It's episode 15 of Empaths in Love. We are talking about the origin story, your origin, uh, and how healing in the past can make your present so much better. Love is a powerful source. In life, we must stay the course. No matter how hard it gets, we always gotta do our best. So believe in yourself. Find the courage within, transform from the inside out, and let your healing begin. Ooh, I'm an empath in love. I'm an empath hey, in love. Let's talk about healing in the past. I feel like I am particularly qualified to talk to you about this today because as a therapist, there's this image of like coming in to see your therapist and like laying on the couch and talking about your childhood and blaming your mother. And when we are, it's a little old fashioned. And and the truth is as a, as a field, we've moved far, far away from that image and that model. Um, I don't even like, I have a couch in my office, but I do hypnotherapy on it. I don't know anybody that lays down on it to talk to their therapist or, or what the purpose of that would be. Anyway, so I had a client uh, a few years ago and she came in to do some sessions with me. This was when I was pretty new to hypnotherapy. Um, and she told me that she did not want to go back to her childhood because she'd done a lot of therapy. She'd really worked on it. She didn't feel that it was really relevant and there was no point in going back there. She was like, I just want to work with like how annoyed I am about my husband. And really, I just want to work about how annoyed I am with my husband and stop being annoyed with him. So we did the hypnotherapy session. And when we, when I do that with my clients, and I don't know how other hypnotherapists do it, but the way that I was taught is that you let the client lead you focus on the feelings in the body, the sensation of the current experience, and then go back in the sort of body memory to um, another significant event in which you felt those same things. And so lo and behold, she went back to a childhood experience that was pretty traumatic at the time. And it was, it was emotional for her to re-experience that. And so we worked through it and when she came out, she had had a healing from the past, right? We used some of those resources that we had already been working on and we applied them to that little girl in the past. And then once she was feeling better, we grew that little girl up and applied what she learned to her current situation with her husband. And she came up with these amazing things. Now, I could have talked to her and we could have spent an hour or more trying to brainstorm why she was mad at her husband, um, how she could stop being so annoyed with him, some coping techniques. But when we went back to the past, we could see that this mo- this thing that's happening in the moment with her husband has virtually nothing to do with him, that it had more to do with what had happened to her and her relationship with men. And that this was a decision that she made as a small child, which became a belief, which was embedded in her body and created actions. And she had no idea that these two things were connected. And she thought, this is just about my husband. I just want to talk about him. 
And so it was really exciting to see that. But also for like, you could see how her conscious mind was like, it has nothing to do with that. Like, I don't want to go back there. It's, you know, pointless and I've already dealt with it and I'm super over it. It's like when people tell me that they have nothing to work on. I'm like, oh, how about you work on that? (laughs) We all have shadows coming up. I don't care how long you've been in therapy. We are constantly unfolding until you ascend to enlightenment bodily. I think we all are here to work on things. That's why we're in this life. Now, I do think it's true that we should take breaks. We should not be constantly growing because part of the growing cycle is a fallow season. And there's a beauty in the in the fallow season because that rest and rejuvenation is when the shadow material comes up. So I define shadow as anything that we don't want to deal with and have repressed. Thanks, Freud. You can sit on my couch now. <laughs> or things that have happened so long ago that they are pre-conscious and live only in the body, that they are not in the... Uh, prefrontal cortex in the front of the brain, which is the last part to develop, that they're way, way in the back. And so one thing we understand and have understood for a long time, and you'll see this talked about in various ways, uh, we are in this muddled, um, not real world of imagination, of the unconscious, of images and sensations until we're about seven years old. I learned recently that um, children under seven cannot lie, that they are not lying to manipulate you or to hurt you or get what they want. What they're actually doing is the lie comes from the amygdala, which is making a wish. And it's saying, like, I wish this were true, because if this were true, then this would be the result. So, like, my, I asked my son, yesterday was his first day of preschool. Oh, my God, my big boy. First day of preschool, and so I asked him, what did you do today? And he told me that he uh, blew bubbles with his Grammy. And I'm like, dude, you haven't seen Grammy in, like, two weeks. There's no way you blew bubbles with her. And because that's what he thought I would want to hear. We're having a conversation. It may also be what he would have liked to do. And it may have been that they did bubbles. They probably did. Um, And so that's a connection he has in his mind. So even though he told me something that's not true, it's not really a lie. If he was like, you know, Voldemort from Harry Potter, he might, (laughs) maybe that's different for him. But even in like Catholicism, like they say that like children under seven cannot sin or like at seven, you have to then, Uh, do you get baptized or confirmed? I'm sorry, I'm not Catholic. I'm a dirty pagan. Uh, In order to sort of say like, hey, you know right from wrong now and you are responsible for knowing the difference. And so a lot of things happen to us before age seven. And I think that we tend to belittle that as like not being important because as a culture, especially in the West, we are on this like what is real is true and if it's not real or scientific it's not valid right it's very left brain thinking and saying that like left brain is more valuable than right brain and that's 
not inherently true <laughs> or else why would we have two hemispheres of the brain like why why would nature give us both if they didn't have some value if it wasn't for our evolution we can even see when we look at the archaeological record art has existed the imagination evidence of the imagination has existed for like 45,000 years I can't even fathom things that are that old, but there's cave paintings that demonstrate these sort of imaginary worlds. They've created these imaginary worlds with red ochre on these cave walls in France, and it's amazing. I never understood what they were, but um, like there's images of like bulls and like people, um, and you can't tell. Like I couldn't tell what they were doing. A, a friend of mine, John Murphy. Um, he is a, a mythologist, a folklorist. I think he prefers to be a folklorist. And he looks at, his specialty is sort of retelling stories from cultures that are so ancient, we have almost no information about them. And he does it so intuitively. He is a dancer by trade, very in the body, and a um, he does circus art, so trapeze. No, I don't know if he does trapeze, sorry. Um, like sling and hoop and um, all kinds of all kinds of things. And so I went to a show he did once, and the show was about those cave paintings from forty five thousand years ago. And he had found like the story in them. And so that image of like the bull and like these people around it, and he had animated it in his mind, um, and then performed it on stage as like leaping over the bull and the sort of activity and I could see the parallel like of the running with the bull or any of those things and I'm like god this is so old how does he know this and he's like I feel it in my body I just I just know it and it comes from the unconscious anyway so my my point is that a lot of things happen to us before we were conscious and they they do stay with us in the body our body remembers in a way that our mind doesn't we store trauma in the body, we store beliefs in our body, they become illness. And in fact, you could read the body like a book. And it's not actually very hard to do. When you look at the body psychologically, um, another friend of mine had posted that he decided to stop biting his nails. Uh, and he'd done it his whole life and thought that it was just a dirty habit that he had that's something that like people where he grew up that's what they did and when he stopped chewing his nails he realized that he was essentially self-harming that he would he would bite them and pick them until there was like nothing left and it hurt to do that and this was a kind of self-harm ritual that he could do to then release some endorphins to feel numb so that he did not have to feel the pain that was in the moment and he didn't have to deal with it and it's so simple, this idea of chewing your nails. Now, we know that nails symbolize boundaries. And so he had this realization of like, I am destroying, like I'm my own worst enemy. I build things up and then take them down again. I have boundaries and then I pull them out. I bite them off. I make them bleed. And I was like, well, that's true about what I know of you, certainly. And it's written on his body. And so when he started dealing with that and working with the emotions that were underlying that and like okay when I feel when do I do this is it when I feel anxious is it when I feel angry is it when I feel this 
why am I doing this? That he made a strong movement forward in his self-understanding and in the choices he made in his life because he stopped chewing his fingernails. And the psychological distress of when he first started of, of not chewing them uh, was big was big for him. So we, I talked before about the right brain left thing and about how we value rationalism and science and things that go in order. That's the left brain world. There's also this wonderful right brain world that as children we lived in. We played pretend. We told stories. Those lies that my sons are telling me, my son is telling me, are not lies. They are tales that are he wishes were true. And so this is what mythology is. And Jung knew this to be true, and we've forgotten it. But these myths teach us the cosmic and personal psychological truths when you know how to read them. That's why they've stuck with us. We even have like bits of them, right? Some of them, we don't have entire stories. We just have little bits. And that's exciting because there can be as much information in a bit of a story as I stopped chewing my fingernails. And what does that mean psychologically? All of that is invisible, but the image, I stopped chewing my fingernails. I'm trying to think of a, um, well, even the, um, the myth that my friend performed of like the people jumping over the bull and the exuberance. And uh, he pointed out to me later that like astrologically when we're going through Taurus, it's like you're jumping over the bull. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like in all of these levels this is why I love archetypes and these patterns and symbolism that repeats itself. So the myths teach us about cosmic truth. And so we have myths and stories that we're telling ourselves. And this is part of our past. Uh, my mom tells the story of my birth. And she talks about um, how lonely she felt uh, when she was pregnant with me and that it's not that she didn't want me. It's just that I was kind of a surprise and like came a little earlier than she was expecting. And when I, when I was, when she was delivering me and she went to the hospital, um, the doctors were saying that I was taking too long. And so they gave her uh, Pitocin, which if you are not, haven't ever experienced Pitocin, it's probably one of the worst things in the world the feeling is it makes your labor go faster and harder. Uh, it's like a synthetic hormone. Uh, they give this a lot in the hospital, uh, on my birth plan. It was specifically said that I did not want Pitocin. Um, and then they gave it to me anyway, when I had a C-section, that's like a whole story anyway. So I have this myth about me that, um, I do things too slow or that I need help that I can't do it by myself. And I cannot tell you how many times that myth, that story has been true of my life. I'm 36 years old. Today, I just moved into my personal office, an office that belongs 100% to me, where everything in it I selected or drew to me. I had somebody like helping me gather things like I got a chair and like side table and stuff like that lamps stuff that I just didn't have laying around but all the decorations are mine the style is mine the colors I love and you would think that I've been in business for like pff, ever what like 
six or seven years I've been quote on my own like the moment I finished therapy school I was like I want my own office I want to be in private practice but it took this whole time and a lot of help in order to get here because I had this belief that I'm slow at things and that I can't do it by myself how many times have I given up on something because I felt like I couldn't do it by myself but at the same time like I have to do everything by myself because the hand is unseen, right? The help is unseen. So there's this myth from when I was growing up um, or th- that was told about me that I internalized that way. And um, I did not know that this was affecting me until I started doing uh, shadow work and womb work in hypnotherapy. And <laughs> there was one session in particular, I don't think I told you this if I did, I'll tell you again, that I regressed to the womb, uh, which happens sometimes in hypnotherapy. They're like, where are you? And you're like, it's warm and I'm floating. And they're like, oh, okay. Can you see any light? Not really. Okay. You're probably in the womb. So I'd go into the womb and, um, it was time to come out. And typically when our clients regress to the womb, we want them to have a healthy womb experience and to have a corrective experience because the time in the womb is not always, is not always healthy. Imagine marinating in the juices of my lonely, depressed mother and what that must have done to me and has done to me. Anyway, so I was re-experiencing my birth and I could feel it in my legs. Like I wanted to go. I was excited. I was so exuberant. And then I was like running out of steam and I was like, I can't do it. I just don't have it in me. And the, the, the teacher comes and he goes, you could take a break. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like no one had ever said that to me. He's like, yeah, just start again when you're ready. We'll we'll be here. We're with you. We got your, we got your back. Take as much time as you need. We can take, you know, as much time. Just relax until you're ready to go. And I was like, okay. So I could, I could feel the tiredness and the heaviness. Um, They give you, you know, they gave my mom anesthesia and I had, had sessions where I was releasing anesthesia so I I felt both numb and tired but then I could feel that I was starting to move again and so when I was ready I kept pushing and then I came out and it was it was almost as if no one had ever said that like it never occurred to me to like take a break (laughs) what (laughs) and you're like that's really obvious Jamie but it's not in my patterning right that is not a story that I had and it's just a little bit just a little bit of a story. It's like part of a myth. It's part of a truth. But I needed that to change my story. I can take as much time as I want and I can take a break when I'm tired and I can keep going towards my goal and I can ask for help and receive help when I need when I need it. Which is a much better story than I'm slow and I can't do things by myself. Yet I have to do everything by myself, but I can't do it because I'm too tired. You'll hear me say that sometime. So this is all unconscious. Hypnotherapy allows us to access that. Uh, Doing any kind of body work allows that. Uh, Massage therapist. uh, I met a brilliant chiropractor who's like doing this stuff on purpose that has like a psychological understanding of the back in the same way that like palmistry has it all broken down that your entire being exists on your palm. He's got it broken down that your entire being exists on, on your spine. So he can tell like, oh, you're hurting here. Okay, that's related to this age and 
this belief and this affliction, it's marvelous because there is a synchronicity to it. Maybe synchronicity is not the right word. Um, a resonance, like an octave that we're resonating in these frequencies and they do harmonize and they, they are the same at different frequencies. Just like my behavior was the same as the story was the same that as uh, my womb experience with my actual mother. And there's other, other stories about my life that confirmed that experience and that um, the belief that I held about myself confirming it over and over again. So I hear people say, I don't want to work on the past. I've already dealt with it. And to which I say, then why aren't you moving forward? Then why are you doing the same thing over and over again? Or tricky, are you not suffering as you were because you're doing it at a higher level? So I've accomplished a lot of things in my life. Uh, but there's certain things I haven't overcome yet because I'm still on the same pattern. I still will run myself totally ragged because I believe I have to do it all by myself and I can't take a break. And then reminding myself that, oh, that is not true. Or if I do take a break, then I might take too long because it takes a lot of energy to get back on the horse again, right? still doing it but at a lesser or smaller level or I'll cycle through it faster so it's really valuable to do this work and the payoff this is what's hard to talk about the payoff is things like I don't I'm not as anxious I, I still get anxious that's like a you know physiological response I'm just not anxious about things that I used to be anxious about so I can now talk on the phone or like talk to people into this microphone. I'm not terrified of it, but boy, talk to me four years ago. I would have had a really hard time with this because I, you know, was afraid of exposure or that it would be too much work and then I wouldn't be able to keep it up. Now I have some grace around it. I'm like, okay, I put out an episode once a week ish. <laughs> I hope you're not waiting for me because I'm not good at getting it out once a week because I get tired and I need a break. Or do I put myself on a different schedule where once a month I, I don't put on, maybe I only put out three episodes a month instead of four. There's a lot of ways around it and you can, you can work with it and not suffer with it as much. And that happens when you, when you know what your patterns are and your stories that you are telling yourself and when you have the tools to address those stories, you start changing the narrative where you're the, the good guy or the hero and not the villain. <laughs> and then stories where you are the villain and trying that on for size or seeing the villain and the hero. Like that's all really good stuff. We're talking, you know, crossing over in this watery psychedelic world of the right brain in which it is not first then second then third but that they're all jumbled together in this like pool of quantum possibilities it's really exciting to do this kind of work if you haven't had an opportunity to do this kind of work I really encourage you to do so that it does pay off but you're the only one that's going to know it I'm accomplishing more in my life with a sense of ease and grace that I never had before. 
because I'm not in such a great big fat hurry because I know I can take a break. And I do. (laughs) Thanks for spending this time with me. And I hope, I want to hear your story of how you healed something in your past and how it changed your life going forward. And next time we'll talk about what it means to heal in the future. I said, oh, we are empaths in love. We are empaths in love. What would it be like to experience freedom from shame, loneliness, anger, sadness, and jealousy? What would it be like to experience a rapid increase in awareness, acceptance, and understanding of yourself and others? To live your authentic self by releasing unconscious denial and ambivalence, self-defeating beliefs and patterns, to master communication skills, attract fulfilling relationships, what would it be like? My partner Lisa Flowers and I are offering the Personal Transformation Intensive. It's a five-month commitment, one weekend a month, where you get to go on retreat with your spiritual community, a small group, to experience the power of community and healing with meditation and other psychotechnologies guaranteed to heal. It absolutely changed my life. Go to bit.ly slash yespti. I'll see you there.